Hi, welcome to Walking the Path. I'm going to be talking to people who are on a spiritual journey, who want to share with us their experiences about what they've found on the journey. So if you're interested in spirituality and how you can embed it into your life, come and walk the path with me. Well, today I'm very glad to be walking the path alongside Steve Hackett. Steve, thank you very much for joining me. I do appreciate your time spent with me. And I know that this is breaking new ground for both of us because we're talking about something which you're not used to talking about because you're used to talking about your music. And I'm not used to having my conversations recorded either. <laughs> so we're both um, breaking new ground here. Uh, yeah, I guess that's, that's what it's all about. I, I wouldn't say that uh, too many subjects are taboo for me. I'm pretty open to this, but, um, you know, all things spiritual started to open up for me probably at the beginning of the 1970s when I was involved with a band called Quiet World. And um, that was a year before Genesis for me. Those guys who ran that band, they were three brothers. They had a recording contract with Pi, but um, they'd really grown up in South Africa, although they were originally British. And their father was a medium. He used to receive spirits and he would send them tapes from South Africa. And they turned some of those ideas into songs. And we did an album together called The Road. I wasn't a writer on this on this album, but um, it introduced me to, it was an introduction to all things spiritual, basically. It was very influential for me. Yes, I, I guess it would be. It was an impressionable time of your life as well. I know your first solo album was about, um, it was The Voyage of the Acolyte, which is literally the journey taken by the Querent through the through the cards of the tarot, through the major arcana. I, I'm a tarot reader myself as well. And I found this, this album was... Uh, it keeps coming back to me throughout my life, and there's some stories I could tell about that album. Um, why did you choose that subject? I was making my first solo album. I had some of the guys from Genesis helping me on it because I hadn't graduated to the point where I felt I could work with another rhythm section. So I had Mike Rutherford and Phil Collins helping me put that together, and my brother. It was very important. The team were very important. As a budding songwriter at that point, I felt I needed a focus for the for the album. And I'm not the only one who's spoken about this, but the idea of uh, progressive music, which tells a story. I think it was Peter Gabriel who, much later, after we after we'd done an album in 1972, which was called Foxtrot, and that's a track on it called Supper's Ready, which was very long and became very extremely beloved of Genesis fans. Indeed. That, that one, he referred to it as one of one of our journeying songs. The more I think about it, long form pop or rock or whatever you call it, influenced by classical music and long form stuff that's concertos and symphonies and all of that. The idea of a journey or an odyssey where a number of things happen and in music you get mm. different scenes and um, pictures in your mind. In my in my world at that time, I wasn't really familiar with tarot cards and I was just finding out what they were all about and my interest in that paralleled my interest in doing a solo album, not knowing whether it was all going to end up on the cutting room floor because mm. most days I didn't have much confidence. I thought, wouldn't it be great if I managed to pull this thing off? I, I don't know if this is going to work or not. And it seems laughable now when you look back and you think that you had, you know, those that level of insecurities, but I want to get across that I'm not alone in that. It's a funny thing. The tarot cards and the interest in them gave it a focus to that album. 
and it meant that each track could be about a particular tarot card. I mean, a lot of it was instrumental. And, and so I was trying to do something that was as driven by spiritual concerns as anything else. It, it was the opposite of earthy, rootsy rock and roll. It was in some ways, you know, very much of its time. But I realized it was influential, not just for me and the people who were making it, but a number of guitarists, strangely, who mentioned it. Because I, when I think of it, I don't think of it as a guitarist album, I think of it as a piece of music. Guitar heroes, who were yet to be, picked up on that, probably with the, the tapping technique, which I pioneered, but Eddie Van Halen made made his calling card. So you get all of, the, all of these things that coalesce into one album. I, I wanted to do tons of Mellotron. I was a huge Mellotron fan, and I found that very mystical, and um, that kind of orchestra that isn't an orchestra, the, the Frankenstein in a box. Uh, the idea of stitching together something which sounds orchestral from all these disembodied parts. It was it was something that I, I impressed upon Genesis. And uh, so for me, it was very important to be able to let loose with that. We'd just done Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, which was an album that, in a way, I think Pete was veering away from this more classically based stuff and wanted to do something much more avant-garde. And so you've got that sort of tussle between the two types of Mm. Approach. Um, I mix them with it without any um, embarrassment now. You know, the idea of different genres is what it's all about. So collisions of different schools of thought is what it's all about. I appreciate what, what you're saying there. there. There's something that's been a theme throughout your music, throughout 50 years, if you like, of music. And that dates me as much as it dates you. Your music has been very spiritual throughout, perhaps without, possibly without you realising it, and certainly without other people, your fans realising it, until they themselves have found their spirituality and their spiritual path. And yeah. then they tend to fall into place. And certainly that's what happened to me, and I can see it with, with other fans of yours as well. Um, I'd just like to ask you about um, your take on spirituality. Um, what does it mean to you to be spiritual? I was interested in all the disconnected ideas that went with... There was a building in... Um, in Belgrave Square in London, which wasn't too far away from where I was living, which was near Victoria. And I started going there at the same time I, I, I just made Voyage of the Acolyte, number 33 Belgrave Square, and it was a building that had been given to them by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Yes, um, I know the place. You know the place. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, that no longer functions mm. as a spiritual centre. So I think much has been lost because of that. Mm -hmm. But I had many interesting encounters with, with mediums and they used to do healing there. Yeah. And yeah. Quite apart from all the weird and wonderful ideas that some people may dismiss and say, yeah, when you're dead, you're dead. That's it. All those experts who say that. I found, I thought, I'll, I'll go along and I'll try this, this spiritual healing thing. I had a pain in a toe, mm. a big toe, a pain in it for months. And I thought, I'll just try. I'll go along and see if spiritual healing works and I was extremely skeptical I didn't imagine that anything was going to work and I found about it was a very nice guy who was quite a bit older than me and he just said we'll ask our brothers in spirit probably use the term brothers and sisters in spirit to see if they will help you if they can help you that was it so it was really not so much a prayer to a deity to a mm. god to a christian god it was more um Closer to ancestor worship, perhaps, or the idea of discarnate beings. Mm. Anyway, mm. to my great surprise, the pain went 
instantly and I danced out of the place and I thought, oh, that's obviously a coincidence. I must be very suggestible, etc. But I was very sceptical. And then I had similar little niggles of physical things that wouldn't go away. And two times in succession after that, I went. And each time the healing was instant. And I got um, a couple of books by Harry Edwards, who had been the most famous healing medium in the country, um, uh, who passed on. The cover of one of the books, he was seated in his white coat and with a hand raised, like as if he was beckoning you in. And yes. um, I read about healing and uh, the sensation that, that, that healers feel. Now, and then when I met the girl who was to become my, my current wife, Joe, one day she she had a tooth removed and she was in considerable pain from that and I was just cradling her and her head as she was lying down basically on my lap mm -hmm. and I was holding her in the place that was giving her great pain and um, she said to me the pain's gone you're a healer and I thought oh she's overly impressed <laughs> um, this can't be I'll go along with this you know um, but Subsequent occasions, I was able to do things for her, and I noticed that I was getting this tingling sensation in my hands as it as it happened, and um, and so I was led to it um, bit by bit. This idea of healing, and so not only was I able to help her with things, but I was able to help other people, um, uh, whether it was headaches or toothaches or very often leg problems, and. Um, it seemed to get stronger and stronger. And, you know, people who literally, you know, were limping around, I'd be working on them for a bit. I used to do the same thing. I used to try and tune to spirit by repeating the same thing that yeah. this guy said to me, you know, and I would always say, please help, can you do something for this person? Never knowing whether I was sort of trying to contact a single entity or a plurality and it doesn't really matter, but I, I've always felt that there was an agency or an agent outside of myself um, that was linking forces. And I found that it was very, very powerful indeed. And in fact, one of the most powerful times was Joe was at one of my rehearsals and it was particularly loud. And I must have cast iron ears because I'm a, I'm a uh, you know, guitarist. Mm. hearing damage but mine seems to be okay luckily anyway she got tinnitus from this and it was very very bad and one day I was standing behind her my my hands were like this about so far away from her head and as I went into a sort of deeply relaxed state so did she and about 10 minutes into this I heard this huge noise which she heard at the same time and I saw a blue flash like yeah. a lightning bolt and we were absolutely in sync. We referred to it in the same way. She said, yeah, I heard this, this crack. And I said, I heard this, this noise. And the tinnitus stopped. Um, I kid you not. Um, believe me, I've got nothing to gain by saying this. Mm. Crackpot. I know it works. I know it works as well, Steve, because uh, I, wanted to, I want to tell you this um, because it's good feedback. Yeah. We, we met at Birmingham just before your um, orchestral. I had a meet and greet with you at your, your guest castle gig. And oh. I told you then that that week I'd been told that I was going to have my shoulder replaced, yes. um, which was gobsmacking because I didn't even know they could do it. Um, and I, it just came out that uh, I was going to have my shoulder replaced. I wasn't going to tell you. We had our photo taken and you put your arm around me and your, your hand went to there, which is now titanium. <laughs> that's where they, that's what they took out of my shoulder. Right. And I felt, could feel the warmth of the healing. 
Um, and being a healer myself, I'm a teaching Reiki master, I, I, it clicked that that was what was happening. Right. Uh, you know, we're wrong environment, being rushed out and all that. I couldn't tell you at the time. Well, I didn't have any pain in that shoulder until the day after. It wasn't until I read your autobiography last year and you, you mentioned about being a healer that I, I remembered this and I thought, actually, that is what happened, that um, you gave me enough healing at that time for the pain to go throughout your concert and throughout that night and throughout most of the following day, which was amazing. Um, so I wanted to, to make sure you had that fed back to you. Have yeah. you done anything else to develop your abilities? No, I, I haven't had any training. I, right. I natural. Yeah, I seem, I seem to be a natural with this, mm. other than reading the Harry Edwards stuff. Mm. Um, I also relate this to music and the idea, you know, the wider idea of what is music all about and about harmony and, 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 and about peace and all, all the rest. Mm. Um, I think that at the very least, um, music re-energizes people. Mm. Um, it can heal people. I do believe in the power of music uh, to do that. I'm not the only person to say this. I mean, I, I'm a great fan of, of, of um, um, uh, Dr. Oliver Sacks, who's, who's passed yes. on now, but you must know his, his work. His incredible books, Awakenings, mm. into a movie, um, The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat, yeah. uh, Just on Mars, Musicophilia. All of those books deal with, with uh, illness and healing. And one of his patients who was a woman who, who, who would become frozen. Uh, she had a thing called akinesia. Mm. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but she would literally become frozen. And the only way she could move was when she was played a piece of music that moved her emotionally. So she would need to be moved emotionally before she could move physically. So then you have, there you are, direct correlation between music and healing, music as medicine. I'm, I'm rereading some of his stuff. I'm rereading which is about all sorts of things, his ability to be able to work with patients who, first of all, it, it, it seems as if, you know, it's the outer limits of what, what the human body can be put, put through, but then there's certain parallels between certain uh, certain illnesses and the, the Parkinsonian stuff. My, my, my father had Parkinson's disease, and I, I longed to be able to help him, uh, but he, 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 he refused mm -hmm help that I might give him and in, in those days I wasn't practicing a thing which mm -hmm. you must know as, as remote healing or absent mm -hmm. healing uh, which uh, Harry Edwards talked about yes. and I found yes. I indeed was able to do that as well particularly when a close friend was, was dying in hospital and I was thinking about her when I was on tour in Germany couldn't be with her and um, I started to feel the tingling sensation at about five or six in the morning as I was lying awake thinking about her and not only was the tingling felt in the hands, it was going right up the arms and um, uh, and and you're nodding. And I think many healers have encountered this themselves. So mm -hmm. healing was going on and I long to be more efficient at this, but um, I don't want to subscribe to the notion of having teachers and gurus. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a self-teacher. So can I just ask you, um, a final question, Steve. Sure. If somebody were to come to you to say, just starting out on the spiritual path, I've discovered that um, my own spirituality, um, do you have any advice for me? W what would you say to that person? Well, I'm not the same as, as everyone else. I'm very much a believer that everyone should find their own path. 
there are others who are less comfortable with that and need more of a structure. And indeed, um, it's always been the same for me. Musically, I, I was self-taught beyond a few rudiments shown to me by others, and mainly my father. So I always wanted to make my own, my own way, make my own mistakes, own triumphs, and um, didn't want to be graded by anybody. So if you do that, and if you don't have a guru or teacher, everybody potentially becomes your teacher, because I'll relate this to music. I never had a guitar teacher, but that meant that everybody that I saw who did anything remotely interesting became my teacher at that point. Whether it was a guy playing on a street corner, he was doing a move that I thought was fascinating, or a gypsy in the caves in, 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 in Spain, where I was in Andalusia, and I was doing something which sounded incredible. And I, I went up to him after their show and I said, how do you do that? He showed me, well, you know. And um, so it's not that I don't want te um, in, any teacher. I just don't want to invest that much power in any one person. But it, I think, ironically, that means that I am open to absolutely everything and everybody. That's my excuse for not getting in a class and going, um, or whatever it is. It's not me. No, you're right, Stephen. That, that's why I set this podcast up, because I say to my students, this is your path. You must walk it. I can't walk it for you. Exactly. Uh, I'm not a guru. I'm not, I may be a teacher of Reiki, but uh, you know what they do with it then is up to them. Yes. Um, I'm just somebody who's got a, a, a you know some wisdom to impart to them, which they can leave, take or leave. Exactly. Um, so Steve Hackett, we, we're now at the end of our time. Thank you so much for this. It, it's been fascinating, and actually, you've confirmed a lot of what uh, I, the impressions that I've got from your work, your music, as well as your writing. I hope to see you in September. Is it, is it yes. too early to say that that, that might take place? Uh, we certainly hope so, yes. Mm. Um, we're working towards that. Um, and, and good luck with your shoulder. Thank uh, you. Oh, it's it's, it's hope... fine now. I've got other things to worry about, but my shoulder's fine. Shoulder's fine. That That's yeah. great. And uh, so thank you, Chris, and thank you, Gary. Thank you, Steve, and uh, you. all the best for, for the future. Yes. And, I'll, and, I'll and everyone who, that you, you encounter and... and students and um, people mm. that you heal and and, uh, and all the rest um yeah it's been very nice talking yeah. to you great thank you bless you okay you thank you thank you thank so you. much thanks bye-bye bye now i just want to say thank you to steve for, for participating today um if you want to know more about him and obviously he's got his autobiography out which is called A Genesis in My Bed, and it's available from his website, which is hackitsongs.com. Um, he's very he's very well known. I'm sure half of the people who are listening to this podcast know exactly who he is, but for the people who don't, um, have a look on YouTube for Steve Hackett. Um, I'm sure you'll be amazed by his guitar playing. Um, and again, thank you so much to Steve for um, being my guest today on Walking the Path. We've come to the end of the path for today. If you'd like to support the podcast by sponsoring it, please get in touch. Or you can visit our website, www.amethystcentre.com or our Patreon or Facebook page for Walking the Path. See you next time.